that's kind of the thing that I wanted to talk about, though, was this yeah. seems like there's a sort of built-in um, minimum threshold of indignity that you have to deal with for doing mm. The Fringe. So I just wanted to like talk talk about that. Give me in give, some cases it's higher than others. Give, yeah, give, yeah. give me give me your your fringe indignity reservoir stories. Well, that's fun. You know, I suppose it's fun. Yeah, you're right that it's like um yeah 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 it's like a business model thing happened five years ago. Yeah, where there was a way if you were like a cool act um that could get into one of these almost like lifeboats that Monkey Barrel operate where it's these rooms with a fair thing with a fair business model. It's like, huh, you won't have to pay the Pleasance anymore and lose £4,000 at the Pleasance. But what you will have to do is stand after your show with a bucket, like specifically saying, give me money. So that means you can get money. But that's like the monkey paw thing where it's like you're, you, you, you've, mm. got, you've got the euphoria of when a show ends and then immediately there's either just before the show ends or while the show ends, you go, please give me money and then stand with a bucket, which yeah. is, I, I quite enjoy, I quite enjoy that process and it's really nice like just chatting to the audience after the show yeah because it's, it's not really it's not nice like it's it. not goodbye wembley like it's not that's not, it's not that. yeah 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 i always get like you know on the way out like at least like one like old couple who are just giving me like thousand yard stares on oh, the way man. out and don't put any money in the bucket oh man just, like, you can just tell they hated it yeah that is the one because because i think yeah and it's only happened once this i think the worst thing about a bucket speech is you kind of have to do it financially but if there's one like there was one show this year that didn't go like badly, but for me it went badly, and I know I know the show is better than what I gave them that day. Mm. And so at the end, I had to be like, <laughs> "Usually I ask for ten pounds, but today I'm going to ask for five pounds because I think I only gave you five pounds today." And mm. then it's just really like it's really basically if you've had a stinker, it is really hard standing and looking at every pair of eyes that comes out of that room. Yeah, that is that is a tricky one. I think my like yeah, my greatest fringe indignity was probably like the first show of. Well, I don't know. I can't even say this, really. I think there have been so many indignities over the years that I'm probably just not remembering. But um, the first day of 2019... Yeah, because when I was hanging out with Michael Fry yesterday, I was talking about... He, he said that he went to this this girl's show, a friend of his, and she only had seven people in. And he's like, I don't think I could do a show to seven people. Like, that's crazy. And I'm like, you couldn't do a show to seven people. I was like, I've done an hour to two people. It was the first day of the Fringe in 2019. It was like one elderly couple who came and watched my show. And I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> I guess we're doing this. They did put like 40 quid in the bucket because I think they felt bad. That's um, nice. But then That's every good. day after that, it was fine. I had like plenty of people in, but I don't know what it was about that first day. I've done genuinely, I, I, I like, I don't think two is doable just because I have like a rule where I think there's got to be two distinct groups of, of beings in the audience. I think yeah, if, yeah, it's, yeah. if it's a couple who therefore kind of shared, if they're friends, I think I four. I've I've I genuinely had a bunch of nice gigs to four. If it's two lots of two, because then it's like, oh cool, they're in an audience. They know there are other human beings in the room. Yeah, there's an audience dynamic. Yeah, with four people. Whereas yeah. two, even four, if they're all the same, if they if it's four mates, I don't think it's an audience dynamic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, you need you need them. You need two unknown groups to coalesce together at least. Mm. I think Archie Henderson and I did a show in 2014 to four people, but they were four guys who just got their A level results. And they and they were quite pissed, and they'd all gotten in where they wanted. So we actually had a great show. Right, <laughs> but like, yeah, I, I don't have most... anything to really compare it to, except <laughs> we did a show in Birmingham, and there was a very obvious middle-aged to Tory couple in this vegan cafe who, after some line that I delivered, gave me a death stare and just stood up and walked walked the fuck out. And you couldn't do that in a way that wasn't obtrusive. And I was just so it wasn't just like the, the show had reached 
you know, their threshold of Torydom or whatever the fuck they didn't want to deal with. It was specifically something I said. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not cut out for this shit because I like, like, I don't even, like, I don't yet have the reaction to want to razz people for being walkouts. Instead, it's more like, oh, wow, I suck at my fucking job. In the same oh, way that, that I couldn't, I couldn't do flyering because I feel like the combination of ex, ex Midwest teen bully and guy who had to adapt to living in New York, I just wouldn't, I would get into fights while flyering. Like it's just one <laughs> of those things it where is miserable. there's this element of like you've just got to be prepared for that, and maybe that's part and parcel of being a stand-up comedian. I'm not one, so I don't know, but it seems like that you you are fully in like crucible for that specific mm. thing. Is it tolerable to you or not when you're yeah. in fringe? Well, it gets better, right? Because like, so Alex and I both have a production company this year. And that means that you don't do your own flyering. Like there's a bunch of teenagers being paid to do it who are enthusiastic because they're teenagers, you know, flyering is a valuable experience for them to learn about the horrors of adult life. So that's great. You know, whereas I've already had that instructive experience with every previous Edinburgh Fringe, so I don't need to go through it again. And so it does feel like Edinburgh is sort of like, in a way, it's kind of like a microcosm of society. You can sort of like fight your way through the layers a bit and then it becomes a bit more tolerable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, that doesn't, that, yeah, <clears throat> there's certain bits that become more tolerable, but that often doesn't necessarily mean you're making mm. money so you, from those. You get, to, you get to pay your way to avoid the indignity and frustrating parts. So what you're basically telling me is the Edinburgh fringe is the UK immigration system. <laughs> Um, yes. Is that the strap line for this, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> this yeah, episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's similar. Well, I don't know if you're aware of this as a side note, but the UK immigration system, all the way up to the point of when you apply for citizenship in this country, there is, of course, a private company, Middleman Layer, that you can just pay more to get to the front of the queue or to mm. have a faster decision. And like, they can't help you with anything. Uh, it, it's a company called VFS Global, and if you go on their website, it says oh, like I've used them. It, for it, Russian it, it, stuff, it, it yeah. says like this site is best viewed on like Mozilla Firefox version thirty, and they're on like version one hundred and twenty eight right now. So basically, they built a website in two thousand seven, and they've never had to fix anything ever since. It's just kind of a scam thing, but supposedly it's tied in with uh, the Home Office. But yeah, like indefinite leave to remain the equivalent of a green card in the uk you can pay to go to the front of the queue you can pay an extra thousand pounds go to the front of the queue you know uh visa decisions across the board you can do that so it's always very because the the U, the U the u.s is not a model that any country should aspire to but we don't yet have a like hey here's this website you can pay to go to the front of the queue thing for our immigration system it's just fuck you for wanting to come here the whole way down and Apart from obviously, uh, apart from obviously, they've got those um, like one million dollar investor ones. Sure, where if you're sure. like if you're properly yeah. loaded sure. and you they yeah, go, which we have, put, those yeah, two, the UK right? has yeah. two million dollars into our economy, and then we will give you a visa as a result because you are quote a, like a big investor. You, right? You're an important person. Mm. Yeah, it's funny because the UK's is two million pounds, I think, for that one. Right, right, yeah, right. It used to be a million, and now it's two. Whereas yeah. Australia is just like God, the cost of living. Ugh. Australia is <laughs> yeah. just like is like <laughs> like. The equivalent of three hundred fifty thousand pounds. It's just sort of like, mm. all right, mate, you won't come here. <laughs> Fuck you. It's fine by me. Yeah, it's becoming it's becoming more difficult to be a Russian oligarch in these trying times, and we should you know we should talk about that more. Are we saying Australia is the just the tonic of exclusionary immigration. There's <laughs> 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 lower barriers, to entry. you know. You get there, and the tech setup is less than ideal. <laughs> But you know what? For the savings that you're taking, it's kind of like Australia's actually run by a bunch of well-meaning teenagers. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. 
No one has ever said that sentence before. (laughs) Yeah. You know, the pleasance is more expensive, but there's less of a chance of being bitten by an enormous spider there. So in the long run, it's probably worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Britain is the pleasance. It's the most expensive. Yeah. 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 America's sort of, you know, the gilded balloon. Coasting on former Um, glories, blah, blah, blah. Sorry, I love you, the pleasance. Um, (laughs) Please don't. Please. Please Please don't be mad at me. Please consider any future applications. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, yeah, but yeah, no, I, I do think like the, the fringe is becoming increasingly trash future and it's, um, I was having a laugh with, um, friend of the show, Aiden Taco Jones the other day, um, because that there was a venue, which I'm sure Keely, you'll remember well, there was like a, it was like a legendary fringe venue in kind of a shit way, espionage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is like this like four story nightclub. Like imagine like the nightclub scene from Blade, but if the nightclub had been designed by Escher, but was also in a regional British town. Um, or it was, or or it's like um, it, it, it's the fringe at Osama bin Laden's hideout in Tora Bora. Like it looks like <laughs> it's, it's the X-ray of the hundreds of different levels yeah, that the Daily yeah, Mail yeah, published. Yeah, yeah. But it's like thirty-five capacity rooms of people doing their first hour of comedy. Sorry, Mark. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah. So espionage is like there are there are like three entrances that are on three different levels, and they're all at street level. Because of the way that Edinburgh is, there are all these streets that crisscross at different heights, and so this and the way this building is positioned, you can exit onto like three different streets. So they're all at like three. it's it's like a ma- if you're on drugs, it's an incredibly confusing place to be. Well, to be fair, it was um, a completely carbon neutral venue because they just um, powered it through water mills where all the water fountains would keep going up and round and looping round, and it would just it was, that was one of the only good things about that venue, actually. Yeah, yeah, but there used to be um, and there used to be this open mic that happened on the top floor like one o'clock in the morning and i remember one night i think this was like 2017 maybe i think emma was here and i went to this open mic's taco was doing it, and he's like yeah yeah come down to the open mic like i'm doing a set it'll at least be funny and the guy hosting it like had no idea what he was doing it was 1 a.m it was an incredibly drunk crowd they're incredibly rowdy it was like a saturday night um the mc has completely failed to control the crowd and then and then he just panics and just brings on the first act and for some reason the first act he decided to bring on was this guy called simon kane <laughs> Now, I mean, yeah, Keely's face says it all. Um, Simon Kane can't handle a nice room. So I, you know, putting him on first in like a difficult room is like, oh boy. Um, he gets through maybe 30 seconds of material before the crowd just, it, and, and this is like the kind of like the wisdom of like kind of oikish British crowds that I always never fails to amaze me. Like, you know, when you see like really good football chants or whatever, where they just like, it's some kind of like genius takedown of one of the players. Well, this is like a similar thing where they just, they got, they were so annoyed by this that they just began chanting, Simon, 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 <laughs> like over whatever he was saying. And he's like, you're not going to let me do any material, are you? And it's just, Simon, Simon. So eventually he gets, he gives up, gets off stage. The MC comes back on. They're still chanting Simon. And the MC is like, can you please, can you please stop doing that? I've got to bring another act on. They, they carry on doing it. He brings on Taco. Taco goes up. They're still chanting Simon. And then he, and then he's like, you don't even know what Simon means anymore, do you? This is just, it's just a word that you like to say at this point. He's like, you're not going to, they're, they're just still doing it. And he's like, right, I'm not going to do any material. I'm going to crowd surf. And he just launched himself off the stage into the crowd. And they're all chanting Simon, like carrying him around the room. I'm assuming this isn't sober taco. <laughs> no. Although, you know, sober and drunk taco, not a, not a, not a million right, miles right, apart. Right, right, right. He's a man who just has like a deeply feral energy. And I think he won't mind me saying that. 